We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 302. It's a special episode of the podcast today. We spoke with Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs. He invented the Zips projections. It's one of the more well-known projection systems in uh, the baseball analytics community. He developed it in the early 2000s and has been going strong ever since. So it's a lot of fun to get him on. He's a he's an interesting guy. Uh, you know, we kind of touched on a lot of different things. Obviously, the news, the big news of the day, was Machado signed with San Diego. So we touched on some of that a little bit and how it affects the Yankees, and you know, just to get Dan's thoughts on on the contract and Machado's decision to go to San Diego. And then we dive into what actually are Zips projections because I'm sure a lot of people aren't too familiar with them. And then individual players like Luke Voigt, Andujar, Aaron Judge, Clint Frazier, the starting rotation, to get his thoughts on what the projections are saying for those guys, if he agrees with the projections, if if he thinks maybe some will outperform or underperform. And uh, I mean, let's face it, the Yankees uh, just across the board are very deep. They have a lot of talent. So the projections are very kind to them. They are leading the pack as far as uh, projected war goes. So a lot of good news for uh, Yankees fans as far as projections goes. But as we know, projections um, 
only go so far. As the great John Sterling says, you can't predict baseball, but that's what we try and do with uh, stuff like Zips projections. That's what Dan has made a career out of. So enjoy the episode, and Scott and I will be back on next Monday for a regular show. Joining me on the podcast now is Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs. He is most well known for the Zips projections, which were just released today on the Yankees. Um, and as we were discussing right before this, Dan, is Machado news going to San Diego just totally blew everything up. So kind of overshadowed those Yankees projections. Yeah, hey, Andrew. I, I started the day talking about the Yankees projections, but then Machado's signing happened and, and nobody's talked about the Yankee projections since. Uh, which, is, which is too bad because I'm going to talk about the, the Padres projections again in a few days when they actually go live. Uh, so I, I hope that people don't use up on my bad jokes because I don't have to think up new ones. <laughs> but I'm sure when the Yankees projections go live, just like maybe Red Sox, Dodgers, Cubs, those are the teams that get the most traffic, the most conversation going. So you don't want something like what happened today <laughs> to happen on the Yankees day. You want it to happen on maybe the Cincinnati Reds day. Yeah, well, well, the Reds are actually interesting. Uh, not quite in the purview for, for you, but they're more interesting than they've been in a few years. But that's a tale for another podcast. Oh, I'm interested in how, oh. how Sonny Gray does because he's probably going to be good again, and that's just going to piss me off. Yeah, but he, he, he was a really awkward fit at this point in, in New York. Uh, I, I, I think it, it was reasonable to trade him. I mean, it's only a year, and realistically, he'd be about the sixth best starter on the team, even if you think he's going to have some kind of a a bounce back so you can you can see the yankees just kind of kind of want an ending not an unpleasant situation but it's sort of an awkward one which is say mm-hmm, absolutely yeah ever since cashman basically said he needs to be traded we knew that was that yeah, was the end that, for Sonny. yeah when 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 your general manager has said that you're probably gonna be traded or you need to be traded that's that kind of at that point there's it's awkward when you return like like Matt Kemp in, in Los Angeles, there was an initial bit of awkwardness when he kind of came back after several years, uh, but I guess he figured that the best chance for a job would be with the Dodgers if he, if he cooperated and, and played well in spring training, and the Dodgers actually needed him for a month. Uh, so who knows, maybe in 10 years, Sonny Gray will return for one last stint in new york so, so th- that never works out i'm thinking javier vasquez when he came back didn't work the first time didn't work the second time it never works out for when you try and uh, double dip on it but yeah um, they never brought ed winston back so. <laughs> yeah it's so funny ed winston came up on this show like a month ago uh he was a little bit before my time so i actually had to like figure out who he was and why people hated him so much yeah he was one of those guys that there seems to be left-handed pitchers that, that fail in New York tend to be very unpopular because I was thinking with the Yankee Zips projections, two of the top comps for the starting rotation were Kenny Rogers. <laughs> and I just thought, that's, that's so funny. The Yankees fans aren't going to believe that that was really what their comps were, that I, that I picked them just to be obnoxious and, you know, to poke, poke fingers in the eye, which, which, I mean, I do tend to do not so much with the projections, but 
I, I, I was amused by that, by the yeah. Kenny Rogers comps. Yeah, the comp players. Well, before we get into any of the specifics on the players, I just want to take a step back and just discuss uh, the projection system overall, because I think it's going to be an educational uh, episode for a lot of our listeners. I know myself over the last couple of years, I've been getting into more of this stuff. But if you could just give us an overview of like how everything that goes into these projections each year. Well, well, we'll we'll do the simple executive explanation because otherwise it can be extremely dry. Uh, but essentially, Zips is a computer projection system. It doesn't have my input or my opinion in it. Uh, it essentially asks itself a few questions. First, it asks where a player is, uh, and that's that's kind of a difficult question on an abstract level because you never really know exactly how good a player is. A player hits 300 for a season. You don't actually really ever get to find out if they were a 290 hitter that got lucky or a 310 hitter that got unlucky. So it's like you're trying to find an answer that you'll never really actually know the correct answer uh, to. Uh, so Zips, it uses recent history. Uh, it uses um, some of the more advanced hit data that we have. Uh, it Data like velocity in addition, that's, that's more for pitchers than hitters. And it Starts with the baseline uh, recent year performance, and it makes some adjustments, some calculations, and it comes up with kind of where the player is. And then the question, of course, is where a player is. You kind of need to figure out for the future, where is that player going? And the thing about baseball is there's not a lot of experimental data that you have with baseball. You can't throw players into a test tube and have them play out their careers a million times. All we know about baseball history comes from baseball history. Uh, so what Zips tends to do is to see where a player's going. It tries to find roughly similar types of players in history, kind of the same shape of con- contribution, kind of the same quality level, around the same age, hopefully the same position, ideally. I mean, you never really get ideally, especially for more individual players. Um, and then it, it it makes kind of a best guess of where that player is going to be in a year or two or five years. And of course, I mean, we we'll never really be able to predict you know, with any certainty, we're, we're, we're looking at the future and it's always going to be foggy. Uh, projection systems like Zips really only exist to try to peer through the fog a little bit. And for that, they do good. Sometimes people will take them too seriously and say, you absolutely said this team would win 83 <laughs> games. And then I'll say, no, that is not what I said at all. Uh, but you know, it's, I guess it's not as much fun if everybody understands it. That's just what I keep telling myself. Well, I don't know how much Yankees <laughs> baseball on the radio you listen to, but the great, Su- uh, John Sterling always tells Susan Waldman that you can't predict baseball. So you can try with these projection systems, but you still can't predict it. Yeah. But the thing is you, you're always trying to predict it. Oh, even if you're not, even if you're not explicitly using like a summary stat, like war, like wins above replacement and some level you're, you're making that kind of uh, prediction, even if you're not putting it down to a number, because every decision you're made that you make in baseball, you're making a prediction about the future. When you play X player over Y player, you trade Z player for A player, uh, you're, you're making a prediction. And really, Zips is just trying to make an objective baseline prediction uh, that uses the data and kind of keeps the person out of it before, before you know everyone looks at it and at, applies their own values and beliefs to it, but having a good one number baseline, what the data say prediction is pretty useful at times. Uh, I, I like what I've created. I, I think it's, I mean, it's not perfect, uh, but I think I've done a pretty good job and it tends to perform pretty decently. Are you constantly tinkering with it? Yeah, there's always a few future versions of zips that I'm not quite confident enough yet. Uh, as, as more and more data becomes available and more and more data that I can get my hands on, uh, 
Right, because that's also exploded yeah. over the last few years. It's just, and especially with all the stat cast data, you get a lot of it even, like I know fielding is probably one of the things that it, it mm-hmm. struggles with most, but we're getting a lot of advanced metrics on the fielding uh, side of the ball now too. So I'm sure over time that's going to just continue to develop. Yeah, I've done a lot of data mining for some minor for a lot of minor league data. And obviously, it's not as good as even the okay data we have in the majors, but it gives us an idea and it gives us rough estimates. And, you know, it, it's a tool and you can misuse a tool. No matter how good a tool is, you can misuse it. Uh, so I'm, I'm usually pretty careful about the things I say with projections. Uh, but, you know, sometimes people get angry about them and sometimes people take them too seriously. Uh, I... I as I said, I, I, I like the projection system. I think that it helps us tell interesting stories, and I think people have gotten use out of it over the years. Uh, I don't think I'd be employable if people didn't, so hopefully <laughs> that's the case. Uh, well, yeah, you said people getting mad. I saw you tweeting out some screenshots of angry fans today <laughs> in your comments. Um, it's just amazing that they, that they think just because you're predicting a player to maybe have or, or you're projecting a player to only hit 10 home runs that you're somehow talking talking bad about that player or whatever it's hilarious <laughs> yeah a long time ago that kind of thing bothered me a little when i was still kind of new to the profession but at this point i mean i want people to read i don't really even care if they hate <laughs> me that much i mean don't hate me that much that you're gonna like track me down and hunt me like on a private island like in the most dangerous game or something uh but I, I, I'd rather someone dislike me than just be apathetic. It's like, I'd rather you like me, but if you can't like me, hate me before you just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> At least read the column first. Yeah, before, read the be- column. Before you attack me. Yeah, you, that- <laughs> has anything ever come out of the system and you, you just disagree with it? But Oh, every year. I, and it's funny because sometimes the things I disagree with end up being right in the wrong direction. Of course. Uh, some, some years ago, uh, when Cliff Lee had that breakout year, uh, Zips projected him not to have the breakout year he actually had. That would be a lie. Uh, but it did project him to have a pretty solid year. And at this point, he was coming off a 6.29 ERA. I think that's right. That's when um, he got sent back to the minors. In, in, yeah. yeah. And Zips had him at, like, I think, an ERA of four and a half. Not a great season, but a lot better. It was like a 100 ERA plus. It was a, an above average season after that. 2007 disaster and i disagreed with zips i said oh there's no i saw cliff lee pitch last year i don't know what zips is into it's it's gonna be wrong and zips was wrong it was off by two runs but not in the direction i thought it would be off by two runs in uh so sometimes it's right but like in the different way that i expect And have you ever had a player just break the system and i'm I'm thinking about mike trout because yeah mike trout was hard now i was happy because mike it, 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 Mike Trout at the time, uh, in his fir- first full season after his little cup of coffee, uh, God, how long ago was that? That was, geez, that was 2011. 2011, 12. It, it feels like it, frame, it's yeah. hard to believe it's that long, but I, I mean, he wasn't great in a cup of coffee, but Zips did project the best rookie projections ever projected up until that point and, and since. Now, obviously, that's not throughout history because I, I started doing this in 2002, 2003. Um, so it had projected the best season ever for a rookie, four wins above replacement. And I said, well, that's, that's a little, I always got a little worried when, you know, a projection system projects something it never did before. And I was like, okay, hold the horses. I, I, it, Zips might be optimistic. Uh, but, and I w- was right that Zips was off. Zips was off by, you know, six wins. Yeah, he's been uh, doubling but, that ever since. Yeah, 
yeah, he exceeded it by six wins. Uh, but Zips did catch on fairly quickly. It had him for like eight wins his second year. Uh, so I was happy it didn't take too long to to train Zips to figure out that that uh, Trout was special. Um, did something the, similar happen after Judge's rookie season? Uh, it, it did. Uh, the good thing is Judge's wasn't as good as Trout. I know it was a terrific rookie season. But, you know, Zips had him coming back into the five-win range. And that is kind of where he ended up. Uh, because based on history, I mean, regression towards the mean is a thing. Uh, I mean, sometimes we call it, you know, the Madden curse or the Sports Illustrated cover jinx or the mm-hmm. Wheaties box curse. But the thing about greatness is it's kind of skewed in one direction. Uh, if you think Mike Trout's a nine-win player, there are a lot more things that would cause him to be worth five fewer wins the following season than five more wins the following season. He's a lot more likely to be a four-win player next year than a 14-win player. Uh, That's just because there are more bad things that can happen when you're at the top than when you're at the bottom. When you do everything well, there's not a lot of room to go up from there. Yeah, like, does anyone really think that that Trout's going to add five wins at this point? It's not going to happen. But (laughs) But if there's one guy that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Watch him be, have a 14-win season now after I say that. He's going to be but pitching st- like Otani, and he's going to add all of his wins on the mound. Yeah, Trout decides that there's just too much downtime between his, <laughs> his at-bats, and his, so he, 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 he plays pitcher and center fielder. All right, let's get into some of these um, individual players. The first guy I want to talk about is the first guy you led with in the blog, and that's Luke Voigt. Um, you're projecting him at 1.9 war, which I think is pretty good considering all he did really was have a good September. But I know a lot of the uh, advanced metrics liked what he did last year and think he's going to back it up this year. And and the thing about the 1.9 win projection is that it's still not giving him a ton of plate appearances. It's giving him under 500. If he's starting and playing better than that, he's going to be over. He's going to be like 2.3, 2.4, which is good. Uh, I, I do think it's that people can get a little too excited about a player like that. I'm not saying he's Kevin Moss. I think he's better than Kevin Moss was. Uh, but I don't think he's at the level that that he played at with the Yankees. I mean, that was a crazy level. What was like an OPS plus of 180 or something along those lines? Oh, I, yeah. It, it, he, it, it was, he was it their was best hitter in number. September. Yeah. And and yeah, he, he did though. He did play like that. But you don't want to assume that, you know, even a good few months is or even a good month is the player's baseline expectation going forward. Uh, and the OPS plus was 188. Uh, I just looked that up in with, with the Yankees. Um, now, Zips thinks he's a good player, and an above-average hitting first baseman is a really good hitter. There's, there's no question about that. The question, of course, is still how good is he? Now, the thing about Voigt is he also played in the minors in, in, in 2018, uh, and he was really good in the minors. He had a 900 OPS, but it was a 900 OPS in the Pacific Coast League, and that's a good player, but it's not a player who's going to have an 1,100 or 1,200 OPS in the majors. Uh, unless you think that the majors are a lot easier than the Pacific Coast League, which would <laughs> which would be kind of a weird opinion to have. Um, uh, Zips isn't, I mean, down on Voight. Uh, coming into 2018, it was lower on Voight because it still needed to see where he was as a player. Uh, Zips liked his 2017 quite a bit. Uh, the translation for him was an OPS around 840, I believe, if you combine the majors and minors. It thought he was really good in the minors. Uh, and it wanted to see more. And it saw more in 2018. So now it's at the point where it's saying, okay, Luke Voigt, th- he's, an, he's an average or an, a- or an above average first baseman. He's like a B-plus first baseman. And I think for a guy who, who still, I mean, he only has, you know, 100 games in the majors. 
he wasn't a top prospect and he's 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 28 i think that's a that's a pretty quick turnaround in a projection for a player like that uh as you mentioned playing time could be an issue because i still think the yankees are going to try and have greg bird work out (laughs) for for the third year in a row but uh you know there's no way he doesn't have some injury in April and then of comes course. back. He'll have a great he'll have a great spring training and then he'll get injured. That's that and seems it, to it, happen every year. And it's worth noting that Zips likes Luke Voigt, but it never was really sold on Greg Bird. Interesting. Uh, I know people were very critical in the past about the Greg Bird projections. Uh, so that Zips has Voigt better than it ever really had Bird. So uh, I, I, one thing you mentioned um, earlier is that it it takes. Uh, Exit velocity, it takes exit velocity into account, right? Mm-hmm. And I know Voigt had a really good average exit velocity last year. That was one of the metrics that was used to say that maybe he isn't a fluke, that he's hitting the ball hard, even his outs are hard hit. So it's, yeah. is it things like that that all factor in? Yeah, th- things like that do take take a big part of it. Obviously, the performance stuff is the larger part of, of the picture because – a player's performance doesn't capture everything as we know. There's issues, you know, velocity. There's issues like batting average on balls in play. But it does a pretty decent job. And I think people don't want to forget that. Uh, but Zips never had uh, Greg Bird after 2016 as a two-win player. Uh, it projected him in going into 2017 as, like, under one win uh, based on, like, 90 games. Uh, but it had given him OPS pluses around 110. It, it, it likes... It likes Voight better than that. And, and as I said, I think that's meaningful. And there's obviously a possibility that it's wrong and Voight crushes those numbers. It's always a possibility. The, and the outfield seems to be one of the, the best units. Judge, Hicks are two of the, the better outfielders in the game, really. And then left field is Gardner, Stanton, and possibly Frazier contributing as well. What are your thoughts on Clint Frazier? And, and how does the system project a player like that who really has had some major league time but it's been sporadic and it's been scattered uh it it, it, it's tricky it's also there's also the unknown about uh the the concussion symptoms i mean we think he's okay and they they seem confident at last time i checked but you know it is a worry uh zips can look at injuries on a very general level uh there's only so much injury data in history we had that and Injuries are different from each other, so it's hard to be uh, – you don't have that granularity that you'd like to have. Uh, like Zips knows that a player missed a season with Tommy John surgery. It doesn't know the exact condition of the elbow or something. Uh, Zips knows that a player missed 50% of games with shoulder on, on a disabled list. It doesn't really know how messed up the rotator cuff is or if the labrum's torn. It doesn't know those kinds of things. Uh, so Zips has to deal with it in very general terms. Uh, but Zips, I mean, is optimistic. Relatively speaking about Clint Frazier, I think the hope before, like if you go back to when he was acquired, I, I think that the hope would he be a better player than he is right now by this point. Uh, and he's had some setbacks. Uh, but I think he's, he's at least at the point, especially if he's over some of these concussion issues, I think he's at the point at which he's at least a good fourth outfielder, which has value. Uh, I mean... J- Jacoby Ellsbury is still kind of hanging around the roster. I I don't quite know how that's going to shake out. But he's I think not he, hanging around the roster though. He's back in yeah, Arizona. They won't even let him go to Tampa. Yeah, it's it's this it's it's weird though because there are like provisions in in uh, the collective bargaining agreement about how 
there has to be some agreement on these injuries. <laughs> but it's like all parties have just agreed, okay, let's just decide that you're really injured and we'll give you the year off. Yep. But t- don't don't say anything. <laughs> we'll give you the second year in a row off, basically. Yeah, it yeah, just you can have another year of, of paid vacation if, if you don't cause any don't don't say anything. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying about, about the injury stuff. And, and like you said on Frazier concussion, I mean, is such an unknown injury in and of itself. I mean, it's not an issue with a rotator cuff or Tommy John surgery. It yeah. differs for every person. Some guys can recover in 10 days from a concussion, whereas Frazier had reoccurring symptoms for six months. Yeah, it was what it was Jeff Cirillo. He, he was at, he is, I think it was Cirillo whose career was over. It was either him or another third baseman. I always think well, of Morneau too. Morneau too. He he basically had a whole year of his career just ripped away from him after his concussion. Yeah, I think it was actually Corey Koski. I think Cirillo just kind of stunk. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. One of them stunk, and one of them had concussions. <laughs> Not maybe they could blame it on the uh, on the concussion, but or he just was a bad baseball player. Yeah, look at it's like I'm quickly Wikipediaing while we're talking here. Okay. Koski was the one with the with the concussions. Cirillo is the one who just kind of stunk. <laughs> I know that's mean because he had such a decline. I know that it's weird to talk about Jeff Cirillo uh, in no, a Yankees podcast in 2019, but he was such a good player with the Brewers. I mean, he really was. He was one of the most underrated players in baseball. I mean, he only got two All Star appearances. He probably should have had four or five. Uh, he was arguably, arguably one of the best handful of, of third basemen from like 97 to like or 96 to like 99. Uh, but he wasn't as good with with the Rockies. Uh, his defense was still excellent, but his bat, he, he didn't really get that chorus boost. Yeah, he's the only player but, to go to Colorado and not get better. Yeah, it's like you hit 320 in Colorado and then you hit 320 in. I mean, you hit 320 in Milwaukee, you go to Colorado and you also hit 320. Uh and then he did have some injuries, uh, I think a few years later, uh, after he joined the Mariners. And he, he just fell out of baseball pretty quickly after that. Uh, Corey Koski is the one who fell out really quickly. <laughs> and uh, uh, let's talk about Stanton. So he, I think it's projecting to, for him to have a better <laughs> season than last yeah. year. In which, yes. I mean, he, he had a weird season, honestly, watching him every day. He would, he, when Judge went down, um, Stanton played every day, but he just wasn't doing anything. I think there was issues with his hamstring. Um, so he was there. He was in the lineup, but he just wasn't producing for long stretches. Yeah, it's it's weird. You would, Some people would act like he had a bad season, which he didn't. But it was kind of disappointing to compared to what he did in 2017. Because uh, going from, you know, uh, going, changing parks, you know, there was an expectation that he'd have. I mean, he, he wasn't probably going to be a seven win player again. I didn't project him at seven wins, but. I think that another people projected another win or two, a few more home runs from him. It's still kind of weird to think about that. Stanton still only has one forty home run season, and it feels like he should have like five of them or something yeah. at this point. Uh, I Zips does predict a bounce back from him, uh, not quite to Marlins levels, but still a really really good hitter. Uh, and I I still think that he'll be worth his contract essentially because he's also younger than if. If you pretend he's like a free agent and they just signed him, he's still younger than most free agents. Uh, I know people are kind of spoiled now because Harper and Machado are free agents at so at such a young age. 
Uh, and if if it wasn't for his long-term contract, Trout would have been a free agent at a very young age. But most free agents, hitters, you get them at like 30, 31. Uh, I, I think that the idea that Stanton's not as old as people seem to feel he is. Uh, I mean, he's not even 30 yet. Right, and that was one of the reasons why they were comfortable taking on the 10 years of the contract last year. That yeah. was his age. But do, do things like changing leagues and changing cities factor in? Because I, I do think that does have an effect on a player. Uh, it, it tends to have a. It tends to be fairly small. There's differences in the leagues, differences in the parks. I think that's just kind of one of those unknowable things. Right. Uh, you have a lot more mixing in baseball now than you did 30 years ago. Nobody's. When, when I was a kid, they still talked about pictures like that person's a, an AL picture, an NL picture. Right, right. But that's, that's kind of <laughs> faded. Free agency, there's, there's a lot of mixing. You have a daily interleague play. Uh, so I, much video to watch on, on every, every pitcher in baseball. So. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, it's been good and bad for baseball in some ways. I think that the interleague play and the mixing of the leagues, it makes the all-star game a lot less interesting because you might see like, Two guys face each other who you saw face each other two weeks ago. Right. Uh, now, I know that I'm getting kind of the age where I start having the old fogeyism where, you know, everyone has to get off my lawn. And and baseball was much better when I was a kid. No, none of you kids today appreciate it. Uh, but the, the All-Star game did feel a lot more fun when I was a kid because you, you saw matchups that were legitimately uh, interesting and new. And, and you, it was something you didn't see every day. Now, it's just... I like the festivities around the All-Star game. I actually like the, the Futures game and the Home Run Derby more than the actual All-Star game these days. Yeah, and I, and I, I still think it's one of the better All-Star games for a pro sport. Um, oh, at least, at least they play the game. It's, the Pro Bowl, it could, it could just as much be like a game of flag football. Exactly, and the NBA, and it's, just, it's just people dunking and, and shooting three-pointers. It's like, I don't need to see that for, for an hour and a half. But And at least the football players, they have, they have an excuse for the Pro Bowl kind of sucking because... Playing football kind of kills you a little <laughs> right, bit. Right, right. You don't want to go. So, yeah, you don't want to, yeah. you know, have a concussion in like a meaningless exhibition that nobody cares about. Because anyone trying to th- think of a play in this year's Pro Bowl, I watched the Pro Bowl. I can't. I didn't. I can't even recall. Turn yeah, I can't recall a single thing that happened. Probably <laughs> in any Pro Bowl I've ever watched. Uh, but the NBA, they don't. They don't have that same excuse. Um, the Miguel Andujar. So people thought maybe Yankees were going to be in on, in on Machado. Obviously, they decided to stick with Andujar, bring in Tulowitzki while Didi's out, and uh, see what DJ LeMahieu can give him for versatility. But Andujar, you uh, the projections actually have both his counting and rate stats lower offensively than last year. So yeah, he thought it was. It, Zips thought that he was a little above his head last year. He wasn't quite that good. Uh, you're talking about a guy who had 16 home runs in the minors the year before, uh, and 16 to 27, even considering normal age. There, there's possibly some regression there. Uh, what what really hurts him is that he, in terms of fielding numbers, and there was wide agreement between uh, the the Baseball Info Solutions uh, version and the Ultimate Zone rating. His defense was not good last year. Oh, it was atrocious. And that, that's one of the things that drags down his overall projection quite a bit. Uh, I, I think there's a chance those numbers are wrong simply because def- defense is very hard to measure. The numbers are very volatile. But it wasn't that promising to, to see that season. And it kind of feels like if he has another season like that, then he's almost, you know, uh, Brett Gardner's successor and left. Uh, I, I know people don't necessarily want to think that, but I think that 
it's possibly the case if he if he if his defense doesn't improve. Yeah, I mean Alfonso Soriano moved to the outfield. Yeah, it it could happen. Um, there was there's there was some pouting on Soriano's part if you recall that his. Uh, I don't know if you recall when he was in spring training with the Nationals. And, it was with the Nationals. Okay, I was going to yeah. say, was it with the Cubs or the Nationals that they moved? Oh, there was a big thing because he wasn't going to. He he announced that he wasn't going to report uh, if he if he had to play the outfield. Interesting. I don't remember that. And uh, and he was. I don't know who told him. It was either the team or his agent uh, told him. You know, you can't actually hold out in baseball <laughs> that's not a thing these contracts yeah, are guaranteed have, for a reason. yeah you have a guaranteed contract uh because it was his last year of arbitration i believe uh when he was with washington before he signed that big deal with the cubs uh but someone told me you know what happens is if if you don't report you get placed uh, on the ineligible list and you get no service time when you're on the ineligible list so if he didn't report for a week or however many years it was for the service time, if he he could have actually not reported, not get paid during that time, and not become a free agent after that season, because <laughs> uh, he'd have to have you know complete. He'd have to have the service yeah. time, yeah, yeah, because you don't you don't get service time when you're on the restricted list. Uh, so so he 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 came back into spring training pretty quickly after that. Yeah, someone uh, got in his ear pretty fast. Yeah, it it wasn't like the LeVon Bell with the Steelers thing where he could kind of hold out for half a year and still get to be a free agent if he if he tried to report. Right, uh, right. Yeah, but that, that that's now we're getting to Steelers football which is definitely <laughs> off topic. I, no, I love where I love the zigzags we're going here. Oh, uh, it's it, it's funny with Steelers football because it it, it kind of confuses uh the Baltimore people who who know me because I'm known generally I I don't trumpeted because i'm a national writer but i mean i'm from baltimore i'm a, I'm an orioles fan from baltimore and uh growing up as a kid i'm too young to have been a colts fan but i'm too old to have not already had a favorite team before the ravens uh came from cleveland uh so as a kid so my dad's family was from pittsburgh so i became a steelers fan so i've become this kind of i'm so people will be like talk to me about ravens football. i'm like oh i'm i'm I root against the Ravens because I'm a Steelers fan, so they get right. confused because I'm an Orioles yeah. slash Steelers fan, which is kind of a weird combination. That's got to be very rare. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not. And it's like nobody told me when I was ten that the or, that, that Baltimore would get a new team and they'd be the <laughs> arch nemesis of the team I adopted, uh, and they'd end up winning a couple Super Bowls in the, yeah, in the recent ne- eras. If someone had told me that, then maybe I would have rooted for a different team. Just okay, when the Ravens come in ten years, then I'll root for them, and it won't be awkward. Uh, but, so you're, so you're yeah. an Orioles fan. From a Yankees fan to an, or- an Orioles fan, I am sorry you have to deal with Chris Davis. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> that it's, because it's, maybe I thought Jacoby Ellsbury was the worst contract in baseball, and it still might be. But at least we don't have to watch him play, whereas you have to watch Chris Davis play. Yeah, you know. Ellsbury could probably still help a team as like an injury prone fourth, fifth outfielder. Davis was just so terrible in 2018 that it kind of wasn't funny. It was, you felt (laughs) funny that it was sad for him. Yeah. It was, it was funny when you would see the numbers, you'd see like the, 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 the first baseman that's making, you know, has a hundred million dollars guaranteed and uh, is hitting like a picture and it'd be funny. And then you feel bad for him because, it's not like Chris Davis is some notoriously bad dude that nobody likes. It's just, oh, Chris, why, why do they, why do you guys keep playing him? I mean, they even like, like sent him home for a couple of weeks, I guess, to figure out how to hit again, and he came back and he still didn't really hit. It was. It's just I can put myself in in some of the shoes of the free agents the last two off seasons 
thinking about the fact Chris Davis got 160 something million dollars and they're sitting here still unsigned a lot of them. Yeah, guys, this is why they're afraid to spend money. They know about you. Because, yeah, it could be a Chris Davis situation. You, you, you can almost see like, like some of the second tier free agents, you know, um, crank calling Chris Davis in the middle of the night or something. <laughs> like, damn you. Uh, I mean, someone like, I, I don't know, just like Lance Lynn or something. Like, no one trusts me because of you. Yeah, and like, how is Mike Moustakis going year to year, basically? Um, yeah, poor Mike Moustakis. And Chris Davis <laughs> is, is banking $20 million a year. Now, Mike Moustakis and Scott Forrest, they, they really misread the last two winters very poorly. Uh, because this wasn't a surprise that last year was down. You have teams getting more analytical. Uh, you had Scott Boris complaining in the press that teams aren't valuing what they're supposed to anymore. They're, they're not valuing the leadership he brings. Uh, <laughs> the and, then, and then he turned down his side of the mutual option this year. I don't think that the Brewers actually would have picked it up, but he did turn down his side of the mutual option and, and his side of the mutual option, uh, was I believe for fifteen million? No, it was a twenty million mutual option. He turned down that the opportunity to come back for one year, twenty million. Uh, Brewers were to turn it down anyway, but he didn't. He didn't take it on his part. And of course, he's making less than that. So I, I, I gotta feel really bad for him if he goes into the off season again and holds out. He doesn't take the uh, another option and. No, it was fifteen million. And next year's is twenty million. But I feel sad if he turns it down and he ends up signing again. This time for, for one less. year, five million. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just it's doesn't like, add up. Do you remember Jody Reed? I don't know. Uh, Jody Reed uh, went into free agency uh, back or, uh, around the, sp- the the strike years, and he held out and turned down a contract for two million, and he ended up coming back for like three hundred thousand. <laughs> Oh, that that's got to be rough, especially yeah. back in those days when when it was like either two million or three hundred thousand, and and two million was a lot. If if he's talking about early nineties when he was a free agent, yeah, yeah, it was it was ninety four when it was after the ninety three season. I uh, went from the Dodgers to the Brewers, and it was seven hundred and fifty thousand. But he had turned okay. down like two point one million, uh, and because he thought he was going to hit it bigger in free agency, and he didn't. And he was out of baseball in two more years. Was his agent also Scott Boris? Uh, no, his agent Boris was, was still Scott trying Boris. to make it in baseball back then. Yeah, I, well, he at this point Boris had a lot of had a lot of big clients, uh, but I think he had a better personally. I think he had a better feel for the how front offices think than he does now. So one of the areas of the team I'm I'm most excited about is the rotation. I think it did get a lot better this this winter. Um, and I think it's projected over 16 war. So how just sort of quantify how much better is this rotation than 2018's? I, I like the back of the rotation better than I did last year. Last year, I was a little worried about how the fourth and fifth spots would pan out. There were more questions around the team. Uh, and you know, they, they, they started the season with, with a back of the rotation and they didn't necessarily want, uh, to 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 be happening. They got they got too many starts from uh, say Luis Sessa or and Jonathan Loisica, to... Domingo Herman. Yeah, they, Johnny they Lasagna. Sort of filter, I, I'll filter all through those guys. I'll never say anything bad about Johnny Lasagna. And then of course Jordan Montgomery was injured also, and so that kind of threw just threw some problems in the works. And they went scrambling. You know, brought in Hap, uh, who I. I, I appreciate ha- – see, Hap has a stance about – one thing he didn't like about Canada is he didn't like that there was bagged milk, that you bought milk in bags <laughs> Canada. And I agree with him there, but I can't, I can't uh, 
I can't support someone pronouncing their initials like the initials are a name. Oh, you see, this is perfect. Scott and I have talked about we may have gotten at least an hour of content over Ja J yeah. J A Hap. Yeah, he could be like Ja Rule, but he says J Hap. You're like, no, your name's not J. Your your initials are J A. Your your full name is James. So it's not like your name's actually J or something. Uh, and I think that once you're pronouncing initials, you're kind of, kind of, uh, you're kind of violating some kind of English rule. Uh, my middle name's John, and so I'm DJ Zimborski. I don't go as Dudge Zimborski. <laughs> You'd have to add the, especially with didn't he used to have J period A period? Yeah, and that that also sometimes messes up my database because t- different players use periods and different players don't. Uh, but that that's a tale for another day. Uh, so he should he should be J A Hap, yeah. or he should be James Hap. Well, or luckily he can go by his middle name, he can l- be Anthony Hap if he wants to. Luckily, the the initials doesn't really matter because he's a pretty solid fourth starter. Yeah, he's not gonna he he's not a Cy Young guy, but he will be a good mid rotation starter for you. I'd even call him a three guy essentially. Uh, on this team, you, on this team, he on might- this team, he's the he's the four. Uh, but he, he's a solid mid rotation starter. He didn't cost a lot of money. Um, I, he, 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 it's good to have him into the season. You see, you, they got, they got the guy who has the upside in James Paxton, right. but they also kind of like, you know, hedge their bets. They got the guy who's safer and less exciting in, in Hap. Right, uh, the durability out of Hap is, I think, going to play a big factor because Paxton still has injury issues. Tanaka has injury issues, and Sabathia, who knows? Now on the initials front. There is one player whose initials bother me more. You remember, of course, J.D. Drew. Uh, yes, unfortunately. His name was David Jonathan Drew. I remember David that. David Jonathan, yes. J.D. His, his, that, his that mom was not... maybe dyslexic and just couldn't write it on the birth certificate. Yeah, that's... I mean, as bad as pronouncing your initials are, just making up your initials. <laughs> like, I'll be D.X. Zimborski. Oh, my middle name's not X, but I'll just be D.X. That sounds like a rapper, actually. It does. I, I, I'm just thinking of, you know, wrestling. What, who's the wrestler? Oh, the old D-Generation X, DX okay. in the 80s. Again, I might be dating 90s. Uh, I might be dating myself again. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's I want to talk about I just want to wrap it up with uh, the Yankees and how they stack up against the rest of the league. It, it, to me, it's still very seems well. Like, <laughs> it still seems like a three team league, though, with the Astros, the Red Sox and the Yankees. Yeah, and obviously Cleveland's in there simply because of the Cleveland is, is going to win the AL Central. Uh, you look at the AL Central, and, and the Indians, I, I'm, I'm still just befuddled that they didn't give a qualifying offer to Michael Brantley. Uh, they didn't really do anything about their outfield, but they're also not really being pushed by the rest of the AL Central. You have three rebuilding teams. Uh, the Royals think they're better than they are, but yeah, they're a rebuilding team. Then you have the Twins, who really didn't take advantage of of the off season to kind of scare the Indians a bit. So they're kind of resting on their laurels. So, but if the Indians go in with like a 90% chance of winning the division, then they're going to be there in the playoffs. They're not going to have to do a wild card game. And in the playoffs, the Indians can ride their, their top three starters pretty heavily and, and kind of punch above their weight. So the Indians are still dangerous, but I think the best teams in the AL are very clearly, as you say, the Red Sox, the Yankees and the Astros. Now, as the projections go, the Zips, Zips has the Yankees as the best of the three teams. Uh, it had the Yankees the best of the three teams at the end of last season based on that roster, and it still believes that now. 
Yeah, uh, and so I if, see the biggest differences between Boston and Houston with with the Red Sox. It's bullpen, uh, and I think just depth in in the roster. The Yankees have uh, a fuller twenty five man roster. I would think uh, Houston, though, that rotation is still nasty, and and I guess the advantage for the Yankees have is again in the bullpen. That's their advantage over most teams. Yeah, the the, the you look at the, the bullpen's absurd. It's the best. It's the best bullpen that I've ever projected. And that's coming off of last year, which was the previous best projection I ever gave a bullpen. And it, it wasn't wrong. I projected 7.7 war from the bullpen, and they gave nine. So I was still even projecting the best bullpen I've ever projected going back to 2002, 2003. Even, even with that qualifier, they, they still beat their projection. In well, the they end. had to pitch a lot. <laughs> yeah, but I, you could almost see... They won't do it, but I kind of would love to see if a pitcher got injured. Not that I'd love a pitcher to get injured, but if a pitcher got injured, have a couple bullpen games and just just do that in the rotation for a couple of weeks. Two or three starts that are bullpen games just to, just to see the bullpen just stretch out. Right. That's what I was going to ask you about is the Rays and how, you know, how do you think that they can repeat what they did last year? 90 wins. I, I, I think I, I wouldn't put them at, at 90 as kind of the baseline projection, but they do have the talent there. Uh, there's the thing about the Rays is they don't really have any superstars uh, except Blake Snell. But I mean, in the lineup, they don't really have any superstars. Uh, and, but they, what they have is they have a lot of pieces. They have a lot of, of spare parts, a lot of interesting minor leaguers who could be good. And I think their their floor is actually pretty high. Uh, so when they catch lightning in a bottle and your your team has a pretty high floor, then you can you can you, know, you can spike ninety ninety five wins. I still think it feels more like an eighty five win team to me, but they're interesting and they're interesting in a good way. Uh, unlike you know the Orioles who are interesting in a bad way. <laughs> and I mean, uh, the Orioles are interesting. You have because they literally have nothing. Um, I was I was I was ranking like just all the players in WAR. And their best ranked player in war was like ranked 280 something in the majors. Oh, that's uh, just it was, sad. It was Dylan Bundy. <laughs> uh, I projected nobody, I don't believe, to have a two win season for the Orioles. So there were times last year they would just show Buck Showalter's face and I would genuinely feel bad for him. Yeah, I see. I felt badder before that game where he left uh, Abaldo Jimenez out there instead of bringing in Zach Britton. Oh, right. You did. After Going that, back to 24. 20- 14, yeah. 2015. I don't even remember which year it was at this point. I just remember, I just remember the rage inside. Oh, and imagine. I'm and I'm jaded enough at this point that I don't really get fandom rage the same way I did when I was younger. I'm, you know, it, writing about baseball professionally for so long, it does change your re, your relationship to the game uh, in, in some way. And not everybody's going to feel the same. I know Jonah Carey feels it's deepened how he feels, uh, but I don't. I don't live and die by like what the Orioles or any team does the way I did when I was uh, like 18 or, 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 or around that age. It's just, I mean, it of, just happens it, as you start covering it from a, yeah. a broader perspective. It's, it's impossible yeah. to do that. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's my job now and I love baseball. I love watching baseball. It's just changed my emotional relationship with it in some way. Uh, not, I don't mean that in a bad way, uh, but it, it, it is different than it used to be. All right, final question. If there's one player on the Yankees roster that you think will uh, out or underperform the projections, who would you say it is? Uh, I, I, I do think that Miguel Andujar does have a, a pretty decent chance of, of beating the projections simply because he is very, he's still young. He is very talented. It 
could have been a larger boost in his true baseline ability than 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 I than the than the, project, the projection system thought. Uh, now falling under it, ah, that's the thing about the Yankees. It's such a it's such a good team. I, I think Paxton he could be injured and have trouble just because he has such an injury history. But there's no one. It's it's weird for a team that Zips is projected to have 98, 99 wins, but there's no one I, I, I look at it. There's no one I really feel like Zips is horribly high on, hmm. uh, which, which kind of makes the Yankees. That makes them, that makes them dangerous though, because yeah. I mean, you're always going to get someone who slightly like what Gary Sanchez did last year. No one saw that happening. Um, yeah. You're always going to, there's always going to be something that you don't expect to happen, but if you have enough depth, they can cover the weaknesses. They still won a hundred games last year. Yeah, and that and that's and that's kind of the problem because when you're because the best team doesn't always win because the best teams always have downsides. Uh, so I, I think because you asked me about the Red Sox and there are some some places that I really think are holes. I, I, I think first base is still a problem. I think the bullpen is weak. Uh, I would have liked it to be a little more aggressive at at at, at, at fixing the bullpen and finding. Yeah, I don't know up. how they let Kimbrel and Joe Kelly walk and, and yeah, it's don't tough. do anything. Yeah, and and they seem to have Mitch Moreland every year, and it doesn't work out too badly. Uh, I guess I guess the Zips could be could be overrating Tommy Canely, but when you're talking about overrating Tommy Canely, it's at that point He's like it's the like okay, guy in the bullpen. At yeah, it's like it, it it won't really cost the Yankees because I think Zips protected like like 13 guys to have 100 ERA plus from a bullpen. So, oh. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like the Orioles to have the Yankees roster if you don't mind. <laughs> uh, but just wait like 20, 30 years. Maybe maybe they'll get to it. But. <laughs> yeah, I'll be signed in, in 10 years. We'll get, we'll get Glaber Torres uh, in, uh, when he's 37. Maybe, they'll, maybe they're going to be the ones to end up trading for Manny Machado when it, that contract <laughs> obviously goes bad and he doesn't finish it in San Diego. But he could because the fact is he's not going to be that old. It's, I know he's going to be. I saw someone tweet today. He's going to be younger than Robinson Cano is today when that contract yeah. fi- is finalized. Yeah, and that's why you see see those dollar figures. There's a big difference between a guy who's 25 and hitting free agency and a guy who's 31 and hitting free agency. You look at how well the first Miguel Cabrera contract with the Tigers worked out. The second one was never going to work out. Right. Uh, because first they signed it, you know, two years in advance. So a lot of bad things can happen even over those two years. But they started Miguel Cabrera the first year of his long-term huge extension. He, he, he was already, I think, 33 or 34 in that season. At that point, it's, it's like, oh, you, you, this isn't going to work out at all. And it's sad because Miguel Cabrera was such a great player. And you want to remember him as that and not like, you know, the worst contract in baseball as, as Albert Pujols is today. I was today. just going to mention Pujols. It's, I, I still sometimes just for fun go to Pujols' uh, like fan graphs or baseball reference page and just look at those 10 years in the 2000s. And it, it's, it's really kind of sad because, you know, I'd like to remember Albert Pujols as the player he was with the Cardinals. That's why his, his years with the Cardinals are going to be why he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer and why he was one of the greatest hitters that we've, we've ever seen in our lives. And it's fun to remember Albert Pujols that way. But with the Angels, it's just hard to – it gets hard to remember that every year because we just see this slow aging player who doesn't have the bat speed. is just a drag on the team. And it just kind of sucks that we're going to remember Albert Pujols a lot in that way uh, until he finally retires. But And then, uh, and then I think it will come back around though because that's what yeah. – I've heard people say that's how Willie Mays went out. And no one really talks about that at this point. Yeah, no one, no one really remembers, of course, uh, 
Willie Mays with the Mets. But what if Willie Mays had played like that with the Mets for a decade? That's true. That, well, that's I, the problem. And and when his pool holes up, he's he's got like three more he's like seasons. Three years, I think. And he's gonna. He says he wants to finish it. I know. So yeah, I I, I think they could. But I mean, he hasn't been pool holes in like seven years. And so by the time he retires, it isn't like we had that little spur to the end, you know, like like Babe Ruth in the wrong uniform and right. and Willie Mays with the Mets. We'll have a decade of Albert Pujols. We'll have two Albert Pujolses. Yeah. Kind of like we had two one. Ken Griffey's. <laughs> yeah, or or to keep it Yankee-based, Tim Raines. And I think that hurt him a bit because he was arguably the best player. You could make a case for him being the best player in baseball from 83 to like 89 or so. Uh, really his Expos years. Mm-hmm. And he was a phenomenal player. Huge peak value. Uh, on base, I mean, he had a 400 on base percentage for those years. These weren't huge offensive seasons by and large. Uh, he had, you know, very high stolen base percentage. I mean, he had the year he stole 90 and he got caught like 12 times or something. Uh, it, it, he was an amazing player. And he wasn't as bad as Pujols has been after he left, but he was just an ordinary player. He was an ordinary player with the White Sox. He was, you know, an ordinary but a really excellent role player with the Yankees. Right. But he wasn't Tim Raines the way he used to be. And I think that hurt him when it came time to vote for the Hall of Fame because too many people remembered a decade of Tim Raines not being Tim Raines. Now, I think Pujols won't have that problem because he's probably so far over that threshold that he'll get it easily. But it... it 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 does make you wonder sometimes that that it, when a player just sticks around too long, it really when it can actually change how you feel about someone. Yeah, ninety eight games with the Marlins for Tim Raines in two thousand two, just not yeah, how you want to go out. Yeah, that's that's one of those stints that that is is hard to remember. Uh, thinking because uh, it's not quite as few a games as you know Mike Piazza with the Marlins, but there's always those weird kind of brief stints. Uh, like Ken Griffey Jr. with the White Sox, or yeah, or just stops, one of those before, stops before the final stop, yeah. And even like Reggie Jackson with the Orioles, I think that if you ask most fans who aren't really deep into it, they wouldn't realize that Reggie Jackson spent a whole year in his prime with the Orioles. Um, so yeah, it's it's it it's it's interesting, I have to say. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, we appreciate the time. Uh, check Dan out at Fangraphs at D Zimborski on Twitter, and maybe we'll catch up with you later in the season and find out how these projections uh, are cracking up. Well, thanks for having me on, Andrew. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.